What's up, Hashtag 59, Mike R. back in the house introducing our latest podcast. Two special guests. I actually made sure it recorded the whole time and we didn't have to redo this one, unlike our last episode, which is nice. Resident contributing writer and photographer, the Modern Day Explorer, joins us along with our friend Wes A. And we talk about the social media impacts that are happening on the outdoor adventure and travel world. It's an interesting conversation and it ducktails into pros, cons, benefits, opportunities, maybe some things that aren't as great. And overall, the state of the outdoor adventure travel world as a result pertaining to social media. It's an interesting topic and we had a fun time recording it. Catch you on the inside. Hey everybody, Mike R here from Hashtag 59. As I mentioned, we are getting ready for another one of our Outdoor Adventure podcasts. Our location and recording sponsor of this podcast is Hopewell Works. It's a place that I'm a member at, and I'm actually here with Brian Z, who's been on the podcast before and is in charge of Hopewell Works. Brian, say hey and uh, tell us, why are you sponsoring the Hashtag 59 podcast? Well, it's definitely not just your good looks, Mike. We are glad to have you guys here. We love Hashtag 59. We love anyone that's rooted in the interest of exploration. And we believe part of what we're doing is designing an experience here where you can expand your horizons, change your environment for your workday, for your friends, your meetups, your groups. So as you mentioned, at Hopewell here, we run what we call like a student union for professionals. So if you want to come in and use our coffee cafe, we're open to the public. The membership unlocks high-speed Wi-Fi, private events, and some other spaces. So for us here, you know, it's all about trying to find people, like connecting with themselves and with each other. Well, we love being here. All of our podcasts are recorded here. And how can people find out more information? Yeah, the internet is by far the best place to look for us, hopewell.works. And you can also just shoot any one of us a message on any of the social media platforms and we'll get back to you. Wonderful. Let's head on into the inside of the Hashtag 59 podcast. Thanks, Brian. Hey, everybody. Mike R. and Amy K. back here for another episode of the Hashtag 59 podcast where we discuss adventure and travel topics in everyday places. We are an outdoor adventure community and today we're going to be actually discussing the impacts social media has made on the travel and the outdoor world. To go a little Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Western, the good side, the bad side, and maybe the ugly side of that. And specifically, how it can relate to growing a brand, meeting new people, and probably the good news and also the bummer news for photographers and videographers in general. We have two special guests joining us today. One is a regular contributor to the Hashtag 59 blog, the modern day explorer, Seth B. Seth, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. I appreciate the invite. Absolutely. We're glad to have you on here, man. You wow us with your photos and intimidate me with your hiking itineraries. I'm glad to give some ideas for everybody. And then we have Wes over here. Wes is a friend and partner of ours. He's uh, partnered up on our group hikes and has a great outdoor apparel company and blog that he's sharing with the world. Wes, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Excellent. You're very welcome. Glad to have you on here. So I'm going to start maybe with Amy, and uh, then we'll go roundtable to Wes and Seth. How has social media, this is a loaded question, how has social media changed traveling the world? And in your eyes, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? So I think it's actually changed it 
where people now see places, certain places as must-sees. So yes, like before, like somebody would go on vacation and they, you know, sit in their living room and show you their like slideshow of where they went. Well, now it's all like instantaneous. And not only is it instantaneous, a lot of the times it's been like heavily edited. So it doesn't actually look like that place in real life. I mean, it's for the better, but it's also for the worse. So it's for the better because, you know, it kind of opened your eyes to seeing more places and places you might want to go to. For the worse, what it's kind of doing is putting it out there so then more people maybe are going there who potentially shouldn't be going there, who are causing some, you know, havoc to the environment. Yeah, it it is like a double-edged sword, I think. I've found places that I would have never found. Mm I've connected with people I would have never got the chance to connect with. And then I've also gone to places and been like, that's not what that looked like or was supposed to look like. Or (laughs) this isn't what I thought it was. Everything's learning. Everything's perspective. But I do think there's definitely good and bad, Wes. No, I agree. There's definitely good and bad. The way that kind of when you get to places, the the piles of people that are trying to get their selfie right around the edge Mm -hmm. um, and some of the dangers that have come with that has been kind of crazy to see. But then um, one of the good things is actually finding places that you never would have saw and then also trying to seek out places that aren't heavily populated on social media. Kind of been a good game of hide and seek. Yeah, I think that's actually been for me, you know, we're doing this podcast, Downtown Columbus. You and I were talking about it yesterday, Wes. Hawking Hills is right down the street and like there is it'd be pretty easy for any of us just to like photograph like old man's cave Mm -hmm. over and over again but like i I purposely because of social media try to find new hikes in hawking hills that aren't on like the hiking list and really try to seek those out and find some new spots it's almost become a little bit of a contest in my head yeah and there's there's some really cool areas down there like rock house and some of those that don't get photographed that much and then don't get the heavy traffic yeah. A little harder yeah. to get to, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Seth, what are your thoughts on, as somebody who is an exceptional photographer, how have you viewed the impacts of social media on your adventures? I think for the better, for the most part, I do agree that people put themselves in unnecessary risk sometimes trying to replicate what other people are doing, including myself. I copycat what other people are doing sometimes. I see a photograph from a specific point that I want to get to, and so it makes me want to go out there. But it also helps me find new places and see obscure or seldom seen things and opens my eyes to areas I want to go or where I haven't been yet. And I think um, kind of related is that All Trails app, and I find that very useful. I use that all the time when I'm driving across country. People have trail reviews on there, trail conditions, and they're mapping out the trails so you can easily find your way. So I think it's actually helped grow the hiking community and the outdoor community as well. Yeah, I, the All Trails has actually enabled me, I think, back in the day, probably some of the hikes that I've done solo would have been deemed a lot more risky or dangerous. But like I knew about weather conditions at the top because I had read a very detailed review from somebody who had just hiked it the day before. So I wasn't going off into the unknown without proper preparation. And that, that kind of stuff wasn't always necessarily around unless you caught the person coming off the trail at the general store. So I do think there's a lot of give and take with it. You know, one thing, I don't know if anybody else feels like this though, I feel like I never travel compared to other people sometimes when I'm like going through some of these speeds. And I know I travel all the time, but it does feel like I, 
I don't even think it's FOMO, but I'm always like, gosh, that person is like, but it has transformed. I do wonder sometimes what's authentic and what's not in terms of like, if somebody will just save like photos for like a year or post them over a year from like a weekend trip, I can just, so I'm kind of like, am I living my best life? Am I, you know, like doing this, like this person's on the road. I don't know if any, do you ever, you ever see that with some of your like, you know, following photographers? Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I space out my photos. You know, I take so many photos during a trip. I'll have hundreds of photos and I'll have many that I like and I want to share. And sometimes I want to space out the trip because maybe I was only in a spot for one or two days. And I don't want to make it seem like that was my whole trip or I like to share things throughout the year. I don't want to post too many photos at once. So I kind of do one here or there. And it does kind of make you seem like you're traveling all the time not really like that always we do have to make money still so that we can afford that life but i kind of like spacing things out over the year just to have content all the time as well which for me it's mainly more like people i don't know mm-hmm. if i like follow somebody like that i'm not sure yeah of like if i know like, like i know stuff's grinding out hours <laughs> like yeah. i know he's not just doing that so it's probably more of a strangers what are you guys thoughts no, that's the same thing. People have reached out to because I've seen their content and look to see if they want to be a contributor or something like that. And I'll find that the pictures are three, four, or five years old that they keep just kind of taking one trip and, and living through it while they're saving up for their next trips and, and, and that stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, same. Yeah. Although I'm really into these adventure photographers who do like elopements suddenly. And so I, I started what, like looking at all of them. I'm like, how are they photographing all these people every day eloping? They, there's no way. 300 and, you know. They've done a lot of elopements. They're, they're doing day. elopements. And somebody recently said, one of them was like, I clearly don't do this every single day. I'm spacing these out. and Yeah. Like, Which is okay. Least, You're creating your catalog. You, you yeah. used to do that. It's no different than like an old album catalog if you were a photographer, like showing your portfolio. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. online. Which, and that... That brings me to something that's interesting about, I think it's mindset a little bit with how we view this whole, I drift towards like Instagram, but I think Pinterest is of the same thing, Snapchat. If you get and embrace social media and social media marketing, I think as a photographer or videographer or anybody growing a company or a brand or just a pat wanting to share your passion with more people, it's the biggest opportunity in the world right now. But if you despise it and you want it to be like the way things were or like you want it to be like something else that it's not, then it can be a huge hindrance. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys view it as something. I mean, look at what we've been able, all of us, all four of us here have been able to grow something that we're passionate about as a result of some form of social media marketing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so even though you have a beautiful picture, you still have to make sure you tell a compelling story. Yes. So I think that's important with it, with growing that. And then also, if you have a website, to make sure you do a lot of SEO. Yeah. So. Wes? I agree. And a lot of times you don't necessarily, as a photographer, you can take the picture and put it out there. As a brand, you don't necessarily get to dictate all of your, all the content you put out there because your audience is going to react to different things. And so you have to put something out, read it, understand what you're doing, if you need a shift, and but you still want to be authentic to what you're doing. So it can be challenging. Seth, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I'm going to actually share a story that I was talking to somebody that kind of, I think, relates actually to the storytelling piece, specifically about you. Okay, go ahead. All right, so we were in Big Bend, and Seth has this awesome blog on our website about Big Bend National Park, and part of it has this story 
about who was the your driver or not uh, Edgar in in Mexico, yeah. Yeah, what was his oh. name? Edgar. Edgar. So that's that's what I remembered most, even though he has these epic photos. And I was talking to somebody who said, "Do you know anybody who's really gotten deep into Big Bend and?" taking a lot of photographers. I said, my friend Seth, he writes for my travel blog. I said, he's at, at Modern Day Explorer. I said, you should check him out. And I, But immediately, I didn't share, like, he's got all these albums of, like, amazing photos. I went straight to that story about Edgar. Mm-hmm. And because that's what I remember about your Big Ben blog the most is the story you told with the amazing photos. Yeah, and to be honest, blogging has really helped me remember a lot of those fine details. It's nice to just even read back through my own material. Uh, Big Ben was last year, but reading the story, it reminds me of the great time there and the uniqueness that I had in each park. And going to to Mexico, I'd never done that before. I was very uh, skeptical about crossing over a little bit. Uh, the the rangers assured me that it was a safe spot to go in Mexico, and then when it was um, a very authentic experience over there, and it was fun. And I, I enjoy writing these stories to help remember it down the road too. That's cool. And for those unfamiliar, it is a, it is a uh, foot crossing. So that's why, like, I was reading it to him like, is this legit? Like, <laughs> because like you literally walk across the Rio Grande River and then like present your passport and then go into Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah, in big like right outside of Big Ben. So it oh, is all like, heard that. is this like? Legit. This is, yeah, this is, is all good, right? Like, Are you sure this is yeah. an illegal crossing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is like there is something about that, but it is uh yeah, those and I think, you know, we've been able to when a writer goes one of our writers goes back to a place that you know, the first time we promoted the Big Ben blog, we used all Seth's photos. And then I went back, so then we re promoted his blog and his stories, but then we used my new photos and I kind of told a different story of my experience. And I think that's neat. I think for our community to be able to see different photos, still hear other stories about it, but then it's the same place. I don't know if you've found that. Well, the parks change over the years too. You can go at a different time of year and the park will look completely different. Even just daily with the weather and the sun and the clouds, things can change drastically, whether you can see the mountain peak or you can't see the mountain peak or how far you can see the vista. So I think things can change in the park daily for photography or for just viewing purposes in general. Wes, you guys are doing the winter hike series in Columbus, Ohio right now through the Metro Parks. I mean, that's going and how have you guys enjoyed that so far and how's that different from exploring some of the metro parks in the summer it's definitely different with the three inches of snow down it's a little harder hills get a little steeper but it is it's it's you when you're in the summertime you see all the trees and and it's usually dark you don't get to see a lot in the wintertime there's no trees and you get to see a lot more and the color like the color of the white looks just gorgeous out there and and you get to experience just something different than what you normally do and it's this year has been unique because it's been 60, it's been 4, it's been negative degrees, it's been all over the place. So every weekend's kind of a new gamble. And I, I've noticed in one of my favorite metro parks to go hiking on like Friday afternoons is Clear Creek. And I've noticed in the summer I can leave the house at 5.30 and still do the hike. And in the winter, yeah, I got to leave the house at like 1.30 to yeah. be able, but it's just different perspective. Actually, Wes, why don't you briefly share with the audience, uh, I think social media impacts on 
traveling the outdoors for good with, you know, you guys are doing those videos on your handle mm-hmm. through the winter hikes and what just the new connection you made as a result of that. Well, one of the things, we wanted a way to, to capture those with our family. And so we decided, like, just throw a GoPro from start to finish, walk the whole thing. And then uh, Dana, my wife, has been editing them and speeding them up to, I think, like 400 times. So it's just like a Keystone Cops kind of thing. They're really cool. And so we started posting those just on our own social media. And then the parks reached out to us. And they now have it on their YouTube and their Facebook channels. And, and we've made a connection there and, and really kind of try to work out something to where we can do more with them um, and really promote the winter hikes and getting people out there. So That's great. That's awesome. Any additional thoughts there, Amy? Hiking, going places, different times of year? No, I mean, I feel like that's kind of the same thing. So I'm going to actually toss the next question kind of back over to you. What place have you been to that lived up to what I would consider, uh, call it, you know, quote, social media billing. You have a spot that you um, got to, it was like, yes, this was as good as advertised. Th- well, there's actually three places awesome. for me. Share them. One was the Cliffs of Moher in Ireland. It actually looks like that. When we went to Mount Rainier, we were lucky because, like everyone was just saying, it depends on the day, but it was a, the most beautiful, clear day. So we got to see Mount Rainier in all of its glory. And then the last place, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it because it's in Iceland. It's this canyon and it's called... Uh, I've been there too. It's unbelievable. It's like for... I'm not even going to say it. We'll We'll just put put the the picture in the show notes because I can't (laughs) pronounce it. But it's this... Yeah, it's this canyon and like it's down this really like weird, windy, bumpy road. And there's not... There weren't that many people there when I was there. I don't know if there were any... When you were there. Uh, There was a few. But it was a little bit foggy that day. But, I mean, I got a picture, and it's my background on my computer at work. And everyone's like, who took that picture? Like, where did you buy that picture from? And I was like, oh, I actually took this. And they're (laughs) like, whoa, does it look like that? I'm like, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. So... I love that place. I actually had not seen a photo of it before I got there. That was one of the few places of Iceland. That I didn't. I don't remember if I actually saw a picture. I don't remember. I think I did, but I don't remember. But yeah, there's a lot of places though in Iceland that are just beautiful. Yeah, they are. You're right. Wes, any spots that come to mind for you? Hawaii in general. Mm. Just the colors. We stayed on the big island, so we went to the Mm. volcano years ago. And just, it was gorgeous everywhere. Lava fields, everything. So, Seth, what about you, man? What's living up to uh, the billing? I think Angel's Landing did a pretty good job. I enjoyed that thoroughly. I was horribly sick the day I did it, and I still managed to make it to the top. And when you watch the videos and you see the drop-offs on the sides, it kind of really is like that. You have a little rope to hold on to, (laughs) and um, that was probably one of the more hair-raising hikes I did, especially in the the health condition I was in. I had a horrible like chest cold, and I don't know how I made it to the top, but I did, and I thought it was just like how you see in people's videos. That's great. I would second Angel's Landing because I felt like the way it was built was, this is not like crossing the ice fields of Everest, but it is inherently risky to go up and you are going to be holding on to chains. And I kind of felt like I was at an elevated heart rate, but I wasn't having a panic attack throughout the entire hike. Which I was holding <laughs> the chains so tightly. Um, <laughs> I, I've never held on to something so, so closely before. <laughs> Mine is Avalanche Lake, Glacier National Park. My, 
Man, Jersey Kay, who's one of our other writers, she went there with her girlfriends and she posted like a photo of them there. And I immediately like texted her. I was like, where was that? And she told me and she's like, it's epic. And I started then looking at like photos of it. It was kind of obsessed. And then consequently, like a year later, we were going on a hiking trip there. And I was even thinking on leaving for that hike, like, Okay, this is... You were, like, prepping yourself for I was for prepping not myself to be cool. for not to be as cool as social media. And I got there, and I was like, shit, this is it. This is as good as advertised. So that, that would be mine. I actually saw somebody in a wheelchair. They were rolling down the wheelchair as I was coming up there at the top, and they had taken their friend up in a wheelchair somehow, and they were bringing it back down that hike. I don't know how. And he had some really good friends to take him all the way up there, but I that's, thought that was impressive. That's really cool. And just to lay, that's a four-mile one-way. Oh, Very wow. rocky and stuff, too. It's not, not a flat trail. That's really cool that they got to do that and give that let their friend have that experience. So... Seth, we'll stay with you. Where's somewhere that maybe wasn't, maybe you got, you looked up too many photos on Instagram or uh, Flickr before you got there and it was kind of like, ah. I intentionally do not do that. I'll find hikes and I'll try not to look at too many of the pictures. I'll make sure that it's what I want to do, but I'll try not to spoil it for myself because I really like to see it in person. And you're right, things can be different in person. You don't want to have some false image of what it's going to be like and be disappointed. One place that I was a little disappointed in it, and it was mostly because of the weather, was Denali. I spent 24 days in Alaska, and I went to four different parks. And Denali was actually the least favorite park on that trip. It's not that I didn't have a good time, but it just wasn't what I expected with all the hype. Everybody talks about going to Denali when they go to Alaska, and I got to see Denali for maybe two minutes. And the rest of the time I was there, it was covered in clouds, and I did get to see a good amount of wildlife, but... The park is pretty restricted on where you can access without really going um, um, backcountry hiking. And so the crowds, it was very crowded for the space where you're allowed to go. And I just, when I go traveling, I like to go places where there's not very many people. And I just felt it was overpopulated. Yeah, you know, I actually just to kind of jump in like on that. I wasn't like, I didn't dislike Denali, but... I like Kine Fords more. I actually, I ran a marathon in Alaska. I kind of had more fun in running like the marathon in downtown Anchorage than that because it's same, the same way. Seth, we're also going to have you back then on our self-disciplined social media podcast if you refuse and can hold that uh, anticipation for not checking anything before you go on any trips. <laughs> Wes, uh, what do you have? I'd say somewhere in Ohio, like Old Man's Cave, those places. You see all the pictures where the falls are going a lot, and you get there, and it's just like mm. a drip. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I actually took, we did a team build day one time. We went down to Hocking Hills, and I said, oh, man, we will go to Cedar Falls, and then we will go to, <laughs> I forget the other, like one of those, but it was a humid summer, and it was end of August, and I just had never really been down there in that time. And most of the people, there was 12 of us on the bus, had never been Um. there. (laughs) Cedar Falls was dry. And so was the other falls. And it was kind of like, it had to be very underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) You had us drive like an hour down here for this? Uh, Amy, what do you have? So kind of to go off what Seth said, anywhere where there's like a ton of people, it doesn't matter if it's supposed to be beautiful. If there's a ton of people all like there, it kind of like ruins it. 
because you really can't like take the picture you really want to maybe the place that stands out for me was the golden circle in iceland like that was where everyone if you land in Reykjavik and you only have a little bit of time everyone goes to the golden circle which isn't as cool as going all the way around the island to see all the other little pockets and then there's one other place and it's really random and not really nature wise the first time i went to new york city i was like i'm gonna go to rockefeller center and i'm gonna see that ice rink and you get there and that ice rink is not that big people (laughs) like it is not not big it looks so much bigger on like tv That is a funny random one. I never really thought about that, but it is. It was disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to, not to pick on Iceland, I'm going to say Skogafoss with an asterisk. Skogafoss is this powerful, amazing waterfall in Iceland. And I guess when I got there, the angles in which you could actually shoot photos from were just not, there was only one spot you could look at. So that was a little disappointing. And then... It was like, around it was like Niagara Falls in terms of like tourism central because you weren't that far on the ring road yet. And it was, to your point, Amy, like it was just so crowded. However, I give it an asterisk because if you go, this is the biggest secret of Skogafoss, hike above that waterfall, you are then out into as many miles as you want to go in Iceland with this lush green fields and secret waterfalls around every corner that's like a 45 mile long mountain bike trail so go get underwhelmed at Skogafoss in order to climb above it and go on like one of the best day hikes in the world amy's looking this up right now just to, well, i just don't remember if i i think i went there but i'm I don't sure know you I went to Skogafoss. they don't let you even go on the ring road i don't think if you don't hit that one <laughs> it's like right there i think we camped there okay well and That's I actually mine. have a different one from that, I think, because we camped there, so I got to get up in the morning without anyone else there. There you which go. Is nice, That's a, it's all about your anyways, different perspective. Yeah. So, Amy, everyone gets to be a photographer now because of Instagram. How can you be different and stand out if you already are a photographer or if you, you know, you're just posting photos and you want people to really just enjoy? Because even, th- even if you're not a professional, you still want people to enjoy what you're the content you're creating and putting out there yeah i think it's a couple things it's first of all it's again it's telling a compelling story but then on top of that it's maybe not taking that the picture that everyone else is taking and so it's maybe taking a picture from a different angle or a different view or just kind of just doing it a different way the reason i'm saying this is because that one picture that kind of went viral for us was the one of me and Mount Rainier, but it wasn't a view of Mount Rainier that most people saw. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was like, where is this? Where are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, it's Mount Rainier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I agree. Wes? I agree with everything there. It's about trying to get something from a different angle and not showing what everybody's feed looks like. I agree 100%. (laughs) Seth, what do you have, man? Yeah. I mean, everyone can take photos these days, but it doesn't always make them interesting. Knowing what a photo is going to look like before you take it comes with experience. I have traveled with some friends and they'll try to take photos of something and they'll be like, why aren't you taking a photo of that? Because I already know what it's going to look like and I already know it's not going to show the scale of things. You know, once you've seen so many lakes and waterfalls and mountains, you start to become more of a selective photographer and I think you start to realize that maybe not everything is as impressive as when you first saw it or you start to realize that how to scale things or show things, how they are actually in size or perspective. And I think that comes with skill, really. 
Yeah, I think photography is like, and it's the 10,000 hour rule from Malcolm Gladwell, just like anything else. The more you do it. I watched a creative live from Chris Picard, who's world famous photographer and surfer. And he talks about, he has these shots in Yosemite with skateboarders and like yellow school bus, RVs, if you will, Caminos maybe, with half dome in the background. And he talked about it. So he's like, well, why, like, why do you put that yellow Camino inside Half Dome and he's like do you know how many photos there are of Half Dome mm. it's like nobody is really interested in just seeing Half Dome he's like I'm trying to think of something fun or funky he's like me and my buddies love skateboarding down Glacier Point Road so we came in this van we're like the way this color is really accentuates the trees in Yosemite so I think it's actually to Seth's point taking in like understanding that mm-hmm. like he's becoming an expert in his craft and other angles, and I think one thing I learned a lot from that Creative Live is if you're going to go, if you're specifically going out to do a shoot, let's say, don't just show up. Like, go there the, the day before when it's light out. Go there at dawn. Go there at dusk. Know exactly where you're going to be shooting from. Know exactly what, I, Too often, I think we just show up at a hike, and we're like, oh, I'm going to photograph this. But it's like, if you're really, like, trying to, be serious about your photography. It's like, how are you doing it differently and putting in the time ahead of time before that photo? Yeah, and capturing the moment can also make something more intriguing. Like, you can take a picture of a bear just walking by you, and it'll just look like a picture of a bear. But if you take a picture of a bear that's grabbing a fish out of the water or something like that, that adds some feeling to the picture, and it's not just you're taking a picture of an object, you're taking a picture of a moment, actually. Or, so we... We're doing a different podcast on our Kids in the Outdoors podcast. Josh talked about when he woke up, he thought he had a leg cramp and it was actually a black bear gnawing on his calf. If you can get a photo of the the black bear. I don't know if I would take a picture of that. Is that the kind? Yeah, that's the kind of of creativity we're looking for here, people. Seth, I'd be curious what, you know, your thoughts on this. Is there a future in selling prints as a photographer anymore because of social media? Or is it actually like, is it still the same opportunity? There's just more awareness and chance for you to actually sell them now. I think that the market has been saturated with a lot of photos and it kind of makes it hard to decide what you want. If you're going to make an investment on a photo, there's just so many options. There's so many beautiful places out there that I think it is harder. I've never sold a photo myself. This whole photography thing has made me build a real estate photography business here back in Ohio, but I've never sold one nature photo. And my nature photos led to my photography career too. And that's what's interesting. I think sometimes it can lead to other outlets and it can feed other ways in which to explore. Wes, Amy, any thoughts? I mean, I don't really have anything. I'm not a professional photographer. Yeah. I just find it curious because I do think there's a lot of people out there right now who would be I've had friends tell me they're frustrated because they're not selling prints in the way in which they thought they could or would and it's not that their photos are bad but I think they almost like that little there's the grind there's the build up like people don't know that Chris Picard was taking photos of surfers at Pismo Beach and then running down printing them off and running down trying to sell them back to the surfers for four bucks <laughs> for like six years before he actually sold a print you know, and that's, I think that's, but that's like anything. I think there's, there's growth behind every story. And how much is a picture worth when anyone can go take a similar picture or something like that? You're paying for the canvas and really the artist wants the money, not just for you to pay to print it out. And I think that what is a picture really worth 
is what the question comes down to. Yeah, I agree. I agree too. Amy, you had a really interesting question you wanted us to cover on this, which I think is great. Is what live videos now on social media? Do they ruin places? Do they put people into more dangerous situations? And alternatively, with some places, you know, becoming must visits overnight due to social media popularity. Do you consciously not post locations to deter your favorite places from becoming overrun? All good thoughts. I'd love to hear what you like think about Like why I asked that maybe? Yeah, yeah. So, yes, there are times where I don't post things. And at the same time, I'm not going to, like, crazy locations. So it's not maybe as big of a deal. But there are a couple times where if you go to, like, Bureau of Land Management places, that they kind of, like, look like other places, especially, like, in the Southwest, where... I don't necessarily post the location of those because I don't necessarily want a whole bunch of people to show up there all the time. The one place that kind of comes to mind is Horseshoe Bend. Mm, that used yeah. to not be a place where people would go. No, it's really just a flyby. And now... Somebody actually, I think, yeah, just died there, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. From but, taking a selfie. So now much. it's like a place where everyone's going and they're having problems with that. Just upkeep with it. Now Paige is like a place to go and it used to not be... So, yeah. Which, and, you know, I was thinking about this. There's the fine line between, like, you want to support people and have, like, the tourism boost. Mm -hmm. And then when we were talking about on that Asia podcast, actually, Jeff was talking about how he got to Bali and he thought he was going to surf there. And the ocean was littered in plastic because it's become so overrun with tourism that it's not really, like, a place to be anymore. So there is that fine line. You know, I think dangerous situations were already happening before that. Before the selfies or the jumps, I think the adrenaline junkies were being the adrenaline junkies and the people that were being over the top. I think now it's just kind of on camera and under a microscope and it's more accessible mm -hmm. to you to find more quickly. But I, I do think that stuff was happening just in different ways. Wes? Yeah, it, it's always been happening. There's stupid people everywhere. But now you're getting people that don't have maybe some rock climbing experience or that are they're getting to these places that are even escalating that. Like looking at cliff diving and backflips and all that stuff into water. But yeah, the trash is the biggest piece that we see. I mean, even with the recent things that just happened with the shutdown and stuff like that, mm -hmm. trash overflowing, people still seeing these places. And that's been the biggest impact we see everywhere. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, to me, it's, it's not so much as I don't want more people to go to some of these places as much as maybe we can get more support and funding to allow like more or rangers some, and places to be able to access one go ahead or some like education to people like if you're going to go there maybe take your trash with you yeah so. yeah. yeah yeah that's <laughs> absolutely i think one one hidden gem is the bureau of land management they have wonderful places that not a lot of people will go to especially like you said amy in the southwest mm -hmm. part of america that's where we're looking at. So if we can't get a campsite at certain national parks, there's like around like Canyonlands, I think. There's mm -hmm. a whole bunch of them. So we might just go there instead. But you can camp for free. I have a story, but I'm saving it for rapid fire. Okay. On <laughs> Seth, what do you think, man? For one, I have to agree that the Bureau of Land Management is pretty incredible. And I've stayed at some pretty neat places there. I think that social media has encouraged more dangerous situations and people try to replicate or one up what someone else has done. And even for myself, just seeing what someone does, sometimes it makes me want to go there and try it too. Uh, Angel's Landing, for example, or the one hike in Acadia I just did. I can't think of its name. Even though it wasn't like terribly dangerous, 
you see things and you see the views up there and it makes you want to go and do the same thing. So I think it makes me want to be more adventurous, but I also think that some people are not prepared for the challenge and get themselves in some situations where they can get hurt or worse. I think uh, a neat hike that I really wanted to do, and I didn't get to do it when I was in Waterton Lakes in Canada, is Crip Lake. And if you look that one up, there's a climb along this wall that looks really scary. And I was going to do it because I saw the video and I really wanted to try it out. But there was still snow on the ground when I went there. And I was like, I better not do that with the snow. That's a good, good spot. Yeah. And I think, I'm guessing you're referring to the Beehive or Precipice Mountain in Acadia oh, National. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up, I, I passed on both of those. Oh, it was great. It was fun. The, but uh, yeah, you know, you need to be prepared and there's no turning back kind of on that hike. You need to keep going the way you're going. They don't recommend coming down the same way you go up. It just, for one, traffic jam purposes. And two, it's a lot more dangerous climbing down some of those ladders than it would be coming up. So... Leading in, last question before the rapid fire. What's the future of social media and as a result to the outdoor and travel scene? Uh, you know, honestly, I think it is a chance. I hope for the, the good. And it's just it's a chance to share your journeys with the world and to be inspired to find other journeys and opportunities to connect with people. Amy, what do you think? I actually think it's going to start to go more towards video. Mm -hmm. Um, especially live video and then I mean like kind of what you guys are doing with the hikes but then also like my nieces and nephews are 10 and all they do is watch YouTube so if you don't have a YouTube channel you should probably get one yeah Yeah. our kids the same way they they have like leap pads and they film themselves and film themselves talking about toys and all that stuff and it's all going towards video and the biggest thing we see is the ability to connect with people who of a like mind that and, and create that kind of group Mm-hmm. to keep going so. absolutely Seth what do you yeah, agree with videos and drones and stuff I think uh, it's just going to continue from there and I look forward to it really I like seeing people's pictures and I try to share my own just to encourage people to get out there and explore this planet agreed so we're going to do rapid fire questions first I want to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor Hopewell Works they're a uh, Student Union for Professionals. Uh, Wes, Amy, and I are recording live from here while we call Seth, and I'm a member here. I've been a member since this place opened up. If you're in Central Ohio, you are an entrepreneur working from home, or you uh, can convince your boss to uh, pay for a membership somewhere, it's a great place. It's a wonderful community, and uh, the drip coffee from JJ the Barista is on point. So, hopewell.works. Amy, you doing rapid fire or am I? I can do it. All right. Which way do you want to go? Who do you want to go first? Let's go with, let's get the special guests in. Let's give them that love okay. and energy. So, Wes, Seth, Mike, Amy. Okay. One place you most must photograph or see in person? Red Rock outside of Las Vegas. Okay. Surprisingly easy to get to and great. Okay. Machu Picchu. Ooh, nice. I'm going to say Dry Tortugas National Park out of mm. Key West. You're going to like it. I'm going to go back to Ireland and say the Cliffs of Moher, which is also easy to get to and beautiful. So one place you found because of social media photography? Orcas Island. Hmm. We talked about that before. That was on our, that's yeah. on the 52 places to travel in 2019 list. It's, it's a great place. Oprah's yeah. got a house there. Yeah. yeah. That's did you what, know that? That's what we <laughs> discovered. We did. <laughs> Sad. Well, it's heavily 
publicized these days, but Moraine Lake and Banff National Park mm-hmm. a couple years ago, I went and did the Rockies and I saw some pictures of Moraine Lake and it had me sold to go out there. Mine, uh, the Window Trail, Big Bend National Park, I found as a great trail run. And I knew that because I saw some people posting like trail runs. So I was able to like know that I could go down that. And also Guadalupe Peak in uh, Texas, which is the highest point of Texas. Cool. Uh, mine was, there's this hidden pool in Iceland, and you have to, like, hike 20 minutes probably to get there, and in the middle of nowhere, there's, like, an actual pool that's fed from the springs, like the hot springs, so. That's neat. Yeah. Okay. Your favorite social media travel story or video? Uh, I'm going to go with the videos we're doing now. Okay. <laughs> um, they're fun to do. Nice. Love it. Seth? I don't really have a specific video or story, but I do like Alex Honnold. I like following him and seeing his adventures. I think he's a pretty incredible person. Mine is the one that never happened that I thought should have been a social media video. I finished Corona Arch out in Moab in the Bureau of Land Management, and I watched this guy go up to the edge of the Colorado River 20 feet above off of a cliff and do a triple backflip into the Colorado River, and I was thinking, why did somebody not do a video? Oh, my God. Uh, I didn't necessarily have one, so I left that one blank. All right. We're going to move on. How many Instagram influencers do you know? Is uh, this in real life, by the it's way? It's supposed to be funny. Okay. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> everyone on Instagram an influencer now? Good answer, Wes. Yeah. Seth? Just you, Mike. Uh, I thought about this because my buddy was, uh, he was on a bachelor party with a bunch of younger kids, and he oh, did geez. a video on a boat, and he's like, I'm here with all these IG influencers. <laughs> I don't know any. I don't either. Hopefully every writer and podcast guest on hashtag 59 in the next couple years. Would you rather have more comments or more shares? Go with comments. It's good to connect with people. I'd say comments too. They're way more personal. I'd go for shares. I think uh, spread the word about the epicness of the world. Okay. I like more comments as well because it connects people. Guess I'm gonna. And it is better for your algorithm. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't thinking about my algorithms. Sorry. I'll let. That's why you run that show. (laughs) Hey, Wes, Seth, thanks for uh, joining us today. This was fun. We, I think, uh, gave people some ideas and perspectives that we don't always consider with the good and the ugly of social media. So, thanks for joining us and. Seth, also, we always appreciate you sharing your photos and blogs with the Hashtag 59 community. Of course, I'm happy to do that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you're not part of the Hashtag 59 community, you know, get on one of the appropriate social media outlets or join our email list, subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you digest your audio, you can pretty much find us. Just search Hashtag Space. Five, nine. Thanks a lot for listening and adios, amigos.